Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear in this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is also known as Apple Podcasts. You can find the show on Google Play Music and on the new Google Podcasts app, as well as on Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and for you iOS users on the Overcast app, Plus, if you still aren't aware, NHTE is available on Spotify, so be sure to follow the show on there. Joining me today on location at the Winter 2019 NAMM Show in Anaheim, California, my guest is here about two years almost to the day since we did our previous interview back on episode 164, which I encourage you to go back and listen to to get her background. She is a singer, songwriter, guitar player, and you've been hearing a song of hers called Most the While. It's my pleasure to welcome back to Now Hear This Entertainment, Natalie Gelman. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you guys again and be back here at NAMM. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Talk first, if you would, before we kind of delve into all things Natalie Gelman about Most the While that we were just playing. Yeah, this is uh, one of the singles from my last EP. It's a song that I wrote um, about music, and I know we didn't get to hear a lot of it, but if you listen to the lyrics, it's really about how much I love making music and love doing this, but that it doesn't always uh, line up just how I want it to. You know, it kind of can can be hard out there on the road and, and when you're grinding and not really getting the kind of results you want. And uh, and that's the space that I wrote the song in. Like, it sounds like an unrequited love song. And that's how I feel about <laughs> my career sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's an interesting approach, though, because as soon as you said it's a song about music, it kind of took me aback. Like, I don't really recall interviewing a whole lot of guests that have said it's a song about music. Usually it's, oh, it's a song about this boy or it's a song about this or, you know, some, but it's never about music itself. Yeah, it's, I kind of disguise things as love songs. <laughs> it definitely sounds like a love song, but there's a few, there's a few lyrics in there. There's one, uh, what's in a note, what's in all the notes in the world besides broken hearts of all young boys and girls who strummed away their dreams before they had none. Wow. <laughs> like this pessimistic, <laughs> <laughs> a nihilistic view of, um, and, and originally some of the lyrics that, that got shifted out of further versions were very like if I can't sing what is my life and why am I on earth <laughs> um, and I kind of got rid of some of those and in, in future uh, in future workings on it with my co-writer because I think I think it's so important for my music and I I have a sort of pop folk vibe as people can hear but I, I think it's really important for music to be approachable and and obviously the general public doesn't really relate to that stuff necessarily so it's nice if it's disguised in a little bit of a love song but when you say that there were earlier versions that some of the stuff got shifted out by you or by your co-writer or how did that process come to be it was talked about uh with my co-writer because so i wrote a lot of that that song in particular i wrote a lot of it by myself and then i brought it to a co-writer to to go over a co-writer slash producer that i work with um, still work with, um, and also a mutual friend of ours, Charlie Midnight. Um, but yeah, I was talking to him about it, and he, you know, I, I remember, I can't even remember what the original lyric was, but it's the very first line in the song. We changed a few lines there that I was really trying to say, like, 
I get very depressed when I'm sick and I lose my voice whenever I have a cold. And I was saying, like, if I can't sing, like, I don't really know why I'm on Earth. Like, that's my reason to be on Earth. And he was like very pragmatic and just like okay well we're not getting that first he was like what do you mean i was like well if i ever can't sing one day i think i just shouldn't really be here <laughs> he's like well we're we're not getting that so either you need to get clearer or we need to shift it and i think that's great to have a bouncing board a soundboard to make sure your lyrics are saying what you're intending for them to say okay but let's talk about that a little bit further because i'm sure that you've written a number of songs in your career by yourself and put them out there and just said, I'm happy with them. So compare and contrast, because I know that there's a lot of songwriters out there who write by themselves and say, I've tried co-writing. It just doesn't work for me. And then they put something out that they don't really get the opportunity to bounce off of someone. And they might say, I don't want to bounce it off of someone, Bruce. That's why. That's great. If that's a, if are they missing out? That's I think I, I think, think that's, that's what, what I'm I, I am saying. Well, I want to say. It just depends. I mean, I think if you're trying to have a career as a musician and you plan on doing this as your either livelihood or part of your livelihood and and you want people to like your music, to support it with their hard-earned green stuff or whatever color their money is, (laughs) digital money, whatever, Bitcoin, you, you need to pay attention to what people are saying. And I think that they are missing out. And it doesn't have to come necessarily from... A co-writer. I I'm lucky that my husband's a really great sounding board. He's a he's a screenplay writer, um, and he is really hard on my songs. Um, and I, and definitely as a songwriter, I can get away with a lot of stuff that he can't get away with in a screenplay. There's so much that ties into the script in spaghetti like ways throughout all the whole thing, and it's just I can't I could never write a script. But I also have a group that I'm a part of. Um, in my town that I live in now called Songwriting Anonymous. And we share songs and we bring a printed copy of our lyrics. And there's about 12, 15 people there once a month. And we play through our song and everyone else in the group um, writes their notes on the song anonymously and gives it back to you. And, and often the thing that people say, hey, I didn't quite understand this lyric or I thought this melody reminded me of this other hit song right mm-hmm, now or you know mm-hmm, whatever it is mm-hmm. that's rubbing them the wrong way is something you should pay attention to if enough, enough people say that. Um, I like that. That's, that's a that's a cool group to belong to in terms of what the format is that you just described. Yeah. But I also like the comparison to screenwriting, you know, where you're going, wait a minute, that, that was the garbage man from 45 minutes ago? I didn't know that guy had a role in it. And it's like, in a song, you got like three and a half minutes to get everything, get the point across and have the listener, quote unquote, walk out of the theater, the theater of the mind. Yeah. And say like, okay, yeah, I got that. You know, she was talking about her music career. Yeah. So, and I think sometimes you do want to be vague. I mean, it just, it also depends. Like it's hard in a song you don't have, unless you're playing the song live, you don't have that few minutes to explain to people what the song's about and it changes their perception. Um, I have a few songs right now that are about my mom's Alzheimer's and, and I've since lost her, um, since I wrote them and, and it definitely, they, they become, and I, um, and I almost am saying this, not people probably can't hear my emotion with it but I'm I they're tearjerkers and I know that and I'm also very particular about putting them in the show because it's it shifts the energy of Mm. the show and and also if I'm gonna introduce them then it definitely brings a different weight and gravitas to that moment that um you don't always necessarily want because it's also hard to recover from that um yeah you need to close with that song yeah, or... If if you want to close on, pardon the pun, on that note. I know. Well, and so I don't like to close on that note. 
because I want them lifted up again. Sure. But I also know that noticed it, it's such a huge, huge thing for people that it really becomes what the show, the core of the show at that point. Um, so it is interesting. Like, and there's, and I've taken songwriting, gone to songwriting master classes over the years in college and since whenever different Berkeley or song hall or whoever's offering, you know, classes. And I think it's really telling. And one, one of the things I, heard once at a Janice Ian masterclass was if you're going to curse in one of your songs, the entire song becomes about that curse word. And if you haven't like introduced, if that's not part of your brand, if that like things pop out in songs to people and then that becomes what they fixate on. So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to like, you don't want to get too macro about it all or micro about it all, but it, you, you kind of have to as the artist. But what, yeah, what you're talking about right now is fascinating for those who are listening that are songwriters. And I spend so much time in this show reminding the guests that there are listeners right now who are singers, songwriters, they're up and coming entertainers. However, the psychology of some of this stuff that you've been talking about, you know, what the set list looks like, what you end with, you know, the energy in the show. And even when you talked about the different phases that the song went through where certain lyrics were dropped, I think the general listener who just says, I'm a music fan and this stuff that she's talking about is pretty cool because I think the songwriters are going, yeah, I know, I get it. Come on, move on, talk about something else. So you are really considering all facets of the business, you know, which is, okay, as a songwriter, I need to be careful if I'm going to put a curse word in. And just on the performance side and giving the audience what they paid to come and see that night is deciding, you know, I'm going to open with this song. I'm not going to do this one tonight. And here's my well thought out reason, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's, I have an artist I play with a lot and we do a, another song that's a very touching moment. And often when we have our touching moment song, I can't have another touching moment in a shorter show, you know, like in a 45 minute hour long show. It's, it just depends. It's hard to juggle all those pieces, but they're sort of like a good analogy would be if you're painting a painting, you have, you're not going to make the whole thing unless you're, uh, who's one of my favorites now and I'm spacing out on his name, but you're not going to make the whole thing blue unless... You know, well, Rothko, that's what I'm thinking of. It, it's <laughs> like when you go to a writer's night in Nashville and they will say, you can't do back-to-back ballads. Like if Natalie yeah. does a ballad and now the next person is going to do a song, that can't be a ballad also. But I like that because it challenges you to all of a sudden say, oh my gosh, is that all I do is write ballads? I need to write some stuff that I can come to a writer's night and not have to worry. that." It, and so it kind of makes you reevaluate your catalog and your writing style and all those kind of Definitely. things. So same thing if you're with someone else and you say he's going to do his song and I know it's sad. I all of a sudden need to have something prepared that, okay, I know when he does his, I'm coming back with this one and lifting everybody up. Yeah. Well, anyhow, so speaking of live performances, uh, since we last saw Natalie listeners, you might've heard of this little band. They're starting to gain a little bit of traction. They go by the name of Bon Jovi. I think it's pronounced. And, uh, I heard it was Bon Jovi, but sure. That's what my Uh, banjo player (laughs) thinks. So Natalie opened for Bon Jovi, wow, and sang Photograph, which was written, We she mentioned uh, our mutual friend Charlie Midnight, he was actually on this podcast, listeners, back on episode 188, but oh my gosh, I mean, we can probably spend, and we won't, but we could probably spend the rest of the interview talking about opening for freaking Bon Jovi, It was amazing, me? yeah, that was really amazing, I, um, what, what was really special about that is it all came full circle because I the first big show that I went to when I was a kid was a Bon Jovi show. And so 
that was a little surreal. You know, I do believe in the universe kind of delivering and you showing up and, and never quite knowing how the pieces are going to line up. But, um, yeah, it was definitely full circle to have that, that experience. And there were so many things to talk about. So it's such, such a learning experience. And I, before I was even off that stage was like, what song do I need to write? And like, mm. what do I need to do to get back on this stage again? Wow. I have to I like do that. this. This I is like so that. great. I yeah. like that. Well, there's a video of the performance on YouTube. Very enthusiastic. You involved the audience, which is quite a change from, and listeners, you'll get it if you go back and listen to the first interview with Natalie on episode 164 when she was talking about busking. And, and I'm going to ask you in a little while, you play at wineries a lot. So to go from busking and wineries to all of a sudden this performance that I'm referring to where you decided I got to get the uh, the audience involved I mean you, it, like we were just talking about a few minutes ago that was obviously very planned yeah it was very planned I had a specific amount of time I had 20 minutes I was the only opener but I had 20 minutes um and I had never played a show quite like that before I sort of talked myself into any and into and over any fears by telling myself that I had I'd actually played for more people. I think there were about 17,000 people or so or 19,000 people there. And I'd sung for more people with the national anthem. And then I'd also sung for Bon Jovi as well with the national anthem when he was a owned an arena football team. Oh, so right. I was like, this is cool. I've but done when this. you say I've never done that type of show before, do you mean an arena show or do you mean opening for a rock band or both? All of that. <laughs> yeah. My, well, my own music in front of that many people um, but ironically, that's actually easier because the national anthem, I mean, if you forget the lyrics, that's yep. going on YouTube yep. for millions of people to yep. see. If I forget the lyrics to my own song, nobody really nobody, cares. Nobody yeah, knows. They don't know. They don't care. Um, but so I, I also... I also, once I got there, there's so many people that are helping you make it a success. There's so many people with the Bon Jovi team that are helping you unload, helping you get set up and sound checked and ready Tell to go. Tell me more. I love this. this um, is, this I mean, is it cool. was insane. The amount of people that showed up at our, at our cars, we got there with two cars and, uh, they, at this particular arena, they had those, those grates that come up out of the ground. So you can't drive your tire or your mm, tires mm-hmm, like at a mm-hmm, rental car return. Mm-hmm. Don't drive backwards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but they could go through the entire car and they freaked my drummer was driving and it freaked him out so much that he was like, I think we're in the wrong place. Like, and I was like, do not back up because you're kind of on a freeway where the entrance to the, uh, the arena was. And, um, what city was this? This was in Sacramento Okay, at the golden one center. And, um, yeah, so they actually, the way it all happened was they run a contest, um, with live nation, Bon Jovi's team and live nation run a contest where they pick different. Um, bands in each city to open for their show and it's a really great opportunity to get in front and I happened to submit to Sacramento not LA even though LA is closer because I couldn't do the LA date uh-huh. and I have a feeling that helped me maybe there's less competition sure. um, but yeah it was it was pretty shocking when I got the call from Live Nation um, I had submitted as a solo artist and they insisted I had a band. So I scrambled to put together a band and mm. I wanted to be the worst, uh, person on stage. I was like, if someone's going to make a mistake, it's going to be me. And I pretty much succeeded in getting like my, my bass player plays for, has played with Katy Perry since she was starting out at hotel cafe. So mm. he's played arenas all over the world. Um, you know, my drummer has played with all kinds of people and my, uh, guitar players played with, uh, Steve Martin and Carrie Underwood and on American Idol. Yeah. Like they, they all can handle their own. And so, um, so you only had to worry about yourself. I just had to worry about myself and I knew 
yeah, they're going to keep going. And I knew I would keep going, but I knew like, obviously my adrenaline's going to be rushing the most. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but what amazed me was as soon as I stepped out on that stage and I had visualized it too. And I'd gone over, like you said, planned exactly what I wanted to say. Cause I also have a tendency to ramble and I come from the school of folk music where you talk about what's so in that moment and what you went through that day or that week to get to the middle of nowhere, and wherever in this you are, case, you you know, I have 20 minutes. I, I can't talk I can't for ramble. 10 and play for 10. I want these people yeah. to hear as much of my, own original music as I can yeah and I wanted to make sure I introduced the band enough and thanked you know like so many people are involved in, in making that such a success for me and I wanted to thank them as well um but yeah I wanted and I wanted to talk to the audience too because I think that it is important to talk to an audience even an audience that big um and I waited you know till they kind of got to know me through the songs but I think that really helped to to really get them on my side by the end of that last song but i know that the listeners right now are saying bruce ask her ask her did did she get to meet bon jovi I because did. it's so great that that there that she's telling us that there were so many people there to help her out but did she get to meet him i did i did we all got to meet john and um and he actually the first thing he said to us was like do you, do you guys get everything you need did you have a good sound check like mm. making sure we got what awesome. we needed and and they they fed us really well and it was just such a first class experience um they even you know surprised us with some more footage my my husband was there and a friend of ours came to shoot footage of the show and we would have been out of luck without um they shot a front of house camera that they gave us that footage as outstanding. well outstanding yeah it was such a great experience and we all got tickets and guest well, tickets and stuff and i'm glad to hear that because when i asked you did you get to meet him i'm sure a lot of listeners were yelling no she didn't and you said yes and then when you said he talked to us he asked us this I'm sure that, unfortunately, there are listeners out there who probably said uh, he probably just let her get a picture with him and that's it. And here you are saying, no, actually, he was genuine and he did talk. And Yeah, so that's, that's I don't think you get that successful without, and not just John, but everyone there was so genuinely nice. And I don't think, like, you get that successful without being a good person and a nice person because there's someone else who can do the job just as well and and even being a rock star you well, know like and, and the world will get her, the, <laughs> the word will get around yeah. that you know wow natalie gelman opened for him and didn't they didn't even meet each other uh let, let's get back to most of the while what do you have in the pipeline these days is there new original music on the way from you this year one or there more is. singles an ep an album what, what what's the update my the first outlook? like true full length um i just finished recording and ma i just finished mastering it with um bernie grunman and he's the one who mastered jagged little pill and um wow. tapestry wow. and uh thriller for michael jackson oh some gosh. amazing records um yeah and so I've, I've kind of been going very slowly with this one. I'm, I've been at this point still putting my own money behind it and everything and, and making sure I have all the, the music videos and everything done to a T before I go out there with it, whether that's with a label or on my own, I'm not sure yet. Um, but my goal is to put it out this year and, um, yeah. So it'll be a full album. Yeah. It's got, we recorded 14 songs and wow. I only cut one. I wow. only cut one. And, and so far we have two music videos and I have two more in the pipeline. Um, yeah, really excited for this one. Outstanding. Outstanding. I'm excited to have you back. I'm excited to be back at another Winter Nam show, I should say. Listeners, if you've been with me regularly, thank you so much. I appreciate those of you who subscribe. You know that the benefit of subscribing is you get the show downloaded automatically every week when a new episode comes out. And so you also know that I've been to the last two Winter Nam shows and the last two Summer Nam shows and that I've been able to do so because of Tascam. And Natalie and I are sitting here right now 
looking at this Tascam DR44WL that I'm recording all of my interviews at the Winter 2019 NAMM show into, and it's got an SD card, so I'll just pop that out and put that in my laptop, and there you go. We're recording on separate tracks. Uh, it has Wi-Fi capabilities. It has built-in microphones, but I choose to XLR a couple of externals into it. I'm using the Tascam TM60 microphones, wearing my Tascam headphones. And if you were here and you went by the Tascam booth, you'd go, they have so much more than handheld recorders and microphones and earphones, and, and it's true. They have so much for whatever level you're at, whether you're a hobbyist, whether you're someone like Natalie, whether you're John Bon Jovi, there's people at all levels all around the world using Tascam gear. They've been in business for more than 40 years. Look up Tascam.com, T-A-S-C-A-M.com, and see what they have for you. Uh, I even know that uh, we've talked in the past with Biebs about she's doing uh, audio for video using Tascam gear. So speaking of NAM. You and I are talking on the first day of NAM, and I know that you're performing tonight. But what else about NAM Winter 2019 uh, performing? Talking to me, what what else over these days are you are, is on your list? Well, I think for someone at my level specifically, it's really important to meet with um, the artist reps at different companies and just show face, say hi. Um, there's a lot of gear that I've been loyal to and I really want them to know how much I, I love their products and, and hopefully work closer with me and have it be more of a partnership. Um, especially at the level where I'm at, where I'm gaining a little bit more traction and, and I've always done a ton of dates on the road, but, um, you know, I think for anyone who the steam starting to pick up, the company start to take notice and really want to support you. Um, I have a, a few companies I'm representing this year. I'm, I'm still working with Guild, and I love my, my Guild guitar and um, and Kaiser Capos. And, um, yeah, just always excited, too. Besides the, the companies that I work with and the products I've always been loyal to, I also, you know, I'm doing a lot more live streaming, and I came here with an intent to find two things. One is a, a microphone to go into my phone that I like that's really easy and then a new guitar case that's lightweight but handles flights well mm, so it's nice because okay. you can run around it's like it's like guitar center on for, for like music junkies like the if you combine all the guitar yeah I was gonna say that it's like it's, it's just there's so much to see and and actually get your questions answered by the people who you know created these products and dreamed them up and exactly and it's inspiring all the other performers and, and I was going to ask you, I'm curious, I've never thought to ask this before of anyone that I've interviewed at any of the NAMM shows. Is there any people, are there any people that you're looking forward to seeing here? I'm thinking either performance-wise, but maybe it's also, yeah, there's someone I haven't seen in five years who's going to be here and we're going to meet up. You know, I should be more on it with my stuff like that, but I, do, I am excited. A friend of mine, Shane Alexander, is going to be playing in a little bit for Guild, so I'm going to see him and... Um, I'm always surprised. I actually caught a cellist today. Um, I was trying to check out the blues reunion cases cause that's a, those came highly recommended by another f- musician friend of mine. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you don't, at least at the level I'm at doing this, you know, doing the business at the level I'm at, I'm always on the road. I'm often not on a Cobell tour. I'm often on my own driving in my car, getting to shows. And sometimes you meet up and there's someone you're opening for or, or they're opening for you or you're co-billing and you share advice and stuff. But a lot of times you don't get to see your friends. You don't get to, to really talk to them and hear about the gear they're loving. Um, and that's 
that's where you get the most information. Like that kind of community, I think is one of the best parts of NAM. Um, and, and, and I think, um, I, f- I forget what my, where exactly I was going with that, but I, I have a lot of people who I don't get to see a lot that I get to see here. And a lot of that's just running into them. I mean, literally I actually, I actually did walk into the NAM convention center and it was kind of a struggle to get in here cause they changed it around. And I thought I knew what I was doing when I came in and I like walked all this way and then was told to turn around to go get, go, go backwards to get my badge. And by the time I actually got onto the convention floor, I was like, Oh, do I really want to be here right now? This is too much. And within 10 seconds, someone walked up to me like, Oh my God, Natalie, how are you doing? So you know, you run into people here yeah, too. That, yeah. Yeah. Well, and those people that you're talking about that are on the road that maybe you play a show with, you know, they always go, oh, we should do something sometime. And you go, okay, you know, and and where is the follow-up? You know, does anything really come of that? What I'd be curious to know what the percentage is, and it can't be tracked, but, you know, maybe you see those people at NAM and you say, yeah. hey, you know what, we played that show together in Springfield and we need to do something else. Like, let's actually sit down and do it now. We have the time. We're not about to go on stage or I just finished and I'm going to yeah. leave. So it is a great opportunity for that. And, and like you say, someone that you know is performing, you get to go and support them that way. Exactly. Yeah, I think there's a balance between pushing for those opportunities. And one of the things I did before I came out was to reach out to the different brands I work with and the people who I knew that were going to be there. That's how we reconnected too. And I just reached out and said, Hey, are you going, you know, is there any interest in having me perform in the booth? Is there, um, just want to make sure, you know, I'm playing and it's where I'm, where I'm playing this year is, is a bit of a different area. I've played in another spot consistently for a while. So you, you know, have to do your homework and make sure people know where to find you. And, um, and just following, following up, but then also allowing for magic to happen, I think is a big thing too. I think something like this, um, I was reminded recently, I went to a, uh, there's a new, there's a new community called jam base and I went to a meetup f- for musicians and I never even took part in the jam. I'm not really like comfortable like that unless I kind of get to know people, um, with doing jam sessions and singing in a jam session environment. But I just talked to some of the other artists and I, I um, you know, made some really great connections and some new friends that I didn't even realize. Um, and one of them turned out to, to be helping me and I didn't even know it uh, with something, uh, press related. And, uh, she, she just messaged me about it and I was like, Whoa, I didn't even know that you were doing that. Thank you. I was wondering what was going on. Yeah. So thus, like you said, there's gotta be a little room left in there for letting the magic happen. You have to, yeah. You just show up. You don't know too. like, I get really wrapped up in, I'm, especially having done this for such a long time gets very disheartening when you're putting effort forward and you're not really seeing the results, but that tends to be what the business is like. Like you don't really get tangible results, results right away. Um, and I kind of just like to think, okay, well I'm just going to keep showing up and keep trying. I mean, and it doesn't always work out. Absolutely. Well, but to your credit, your, your following has been built up really nicely. Listeners, you'll see it when you go and and look at all of Natalie's social media, the the tremendous following that you've built. That's been the focus of, of, while I've been working on the record. And I think the people who've been following me for a while are disappointed that the record hasn't come out just yet. And I'm like really just wanting to make sure there's momentum and a already the train is leaving the station by the time the record is on the train. Like, yeah, because it's, said. it's so much work to put a record out and so much money to do it the right way that you have to have, you have to have that kind of, um, 
something bubbling so that it has a chance. Yeah, it's like people are sitting at the table with the bib around their neck and their knife and fork in their hand and they're ready to eat yeah. and go, okay, now I'm ready to put it on the table. Yes. Uh, you won a contest on Live Me, which is a live streaming app, and you got to open for and sing with. Here's another one before I was joking about Bon Jovi or however you pronounce it. Wyclef, for yes. Pete's sake. Yeah, Wyclef. Oh that was amazing, which actually is a really good thing to talk about after um, we were talking about social media because live streaming has been a huge thing for me to build up my live, live um, my social media stuff. And I, I think that for a long time, I actually wasn't really... I did it for a while, a long time ago, back when it was Justin.TV and Ustream. That was 10 or 12 years ago. Um, but I actually didn't have solid enough internet for a long time to do like mm. Facebook Live and stuff. Um, ended up doing this contest. They invited me um, and I ended up winning. And so I got a really nice following on the platform out of the gate. Um, and there's a community there of artists and singers. And there's there's kind of... There's live streaming and with it runs the gamut from a lot of the broadcasters call them like wiggle girls. There's like that whole corner of the live streaming world, which is a little bit dark. They're kind of like cam girls, wiggle girls. They're just, they're dancing. Um, but then there's also a lot of artists and there's a lot of people who are, um, they're, they're really talented and it's a great platform, especially for people who aren't necessarily close to like a music place like Nashville or LA or New York or wherever that there's this way that they can build an audience. And I've actually kind of shifted, um, as I lost my mom last year and as I have been getting older and just trying to figure out how to build my following in a way that's like smart and not just like driving all over and driving myself tired and insane. Um, and, and live streaming has really been helping me do that. And I've had people come to my live shows because of it. And, um, really recommend it. There's a lot of different platforms, obviously Facebook and Instagram. And it's also a great way. One of the things that I've started doing and I unfortunately still don't have fast enough internet to quite do it. But if you guys out there do is, um, sharing, doing like a beam with another artist and on Instagram, for example, you can have two people live stream at the same time and it notifies both of your fans. And then if you each play a song, it doesn't have to be a long thing, but yeah, it's a great way to get new people to discover your music. And in fact, on Live Me, Natalie has over 43,000 fans. So you have been working at that and yeah. utilizing it in the way that you said where it's strategic and you say, you know, I can create opportunities for myself and do a lot of live streaming and just kind of put myself out there. And all of a sudden, yeah. there's all these people Yeah, I mean, I get in front of like 20,000 people from my living room in about an hour. Like, that's how many people will come to your shows. In. Now, <laughs> compare Live Me to, say, things like uh, Concert Window or Stage It. So is this where I have they, a lot of ex experience they, with all those. Yeah. Do so they buy tickets on Live Me? Do they tip you on Live Me? How does that work? So it's similar to those other platforms. Um, the kind of way you broadcast is a little different. I think the best things to do if you want to experiment with any of these is to watch other broadcasters that do what you want to do and see what they're doing that works and think about how you would want to do it. When I've done Stage It and Concert Window, it was very much like you sit back, play the song, and then you thank people in between songs. But I've seen other artists who don't really converse that much on Concert Window and Stage It. Live Me is much more conversational um, and I'm interrupting my songs constantly to talk about there's like gifts that happen on the screen that with Stage It and Concert Window, they're tips and, and people can also, there's a competition aspect with um, 
not with Concert Window, but with Stage It, where people can compete to be the number one fan, and then they can win some kind of award from you. The 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 musician like will say, oh, if my number one fan today will get a signed CD or a special picture or whatever. Um, on on Live Me, there's a there's these gifts that come across the screen that can like make you look like a baby or <laughs> make roses fly across the screen or money or and then there's smaller little like wands and different different like levels of gifts but all the gifts they cost diamonds to the person and they send you diamonds but the diamonds can translate into real money so and there's uh, real okay. money that people are making okay. on the app okay um but and people love that kind of like fun gaming aspect of it because then like if I'm singing my song Long Stem Roses, they like to send roses or if I'm holding a really long note, people like to send fireworks and um, and it's really That's fun. Neat. It's like That's very neat. interactive. Yeah. Um, I forget what else I was explaining. Oh, the, and the, the problem for me with I still might use Concert Window and Stage It, but there's not a huge audience that that's integrated already like just uses the app the thing about live me is so many people use the app already or facebook or instagram like it notifies your followers if you go live there's a really big and and the algorithm of facebook definitely pushes live video so Mm -hmm. i really recommend facebook live for anyone trying to build their following yeah and instagram as well absolutely I am on location at the 2019 Winter NAMM show in Anaheim, California, the Anaheim Convention Center, and joined by singer, songwriter, guitar player Natalie Gelman. Do go back and listen to episode 164 so you can hear the initial interview that we did together two years ago. And make sure you go to nataliegelman.com, her official website. We will have a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. As you're hearing, she is very much on social media, so do engage with Natalie across various platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and keep up with her online also so that you can hear the news when she announces about her new release coming out this year and, of course, to see where and when you can go see her perform live. The music that is already out, do support her by purchasing that music as well. For this show, we are on all those same platforms, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram I do encourage you to engage with the show in any of those one or more of Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram so that you can keep up on all that's going on. We're pretty much up against the five-year anniversary of Now Hear This Entertainment, uh, February 17th. So thrilled to have everyone along all over the world. As Natalie and I sit here today, the show has gotten listeners from 141 countries around the world. Thank you so much, and I love hearing from people who are listening to the show and i thank you again for those of you that are subscribing another popular thing nowadays natalie is the winery circuit there was a a period of time and and don't get me wrong house concerts are still a thing but all everybody wanted to talk about for a while was house concerts but yet i still see some people here and there and i wonder how do you find the winery circuit to be i think that it's a great way um to, sub- to, to subsidize your touring too like I had a, a tour out in the Midwest and I had a listening room I wanted to play but I knew that I might not you know bring in quite enough to make the whole night really worthwhile and I had a winery that I was able to play that afternoon so that the day was still a good financial day for me on the road um, but I also do them close to home I, part of what's nice about living in California is that the wine there's so many wineries and it has become a place where people really like to hear music um and really listen to music too it's not there's definitely like 
sometimes I'll start going, oh, I should play like breweries and restaurants too, but they really don't listen to music in those environments as much as they do at wineries. Well, but similarly, for wineries, you have to know that if you're in a heavy metal band or if you're doing rap, it's not the place where they're going to take you. Just like you're saying, I don't know that I really want to go into a brewery or a sports bar or whatever. Yeah. No, they want like family friendly and like upbeat. Um, I tend to do more covers. I didn't used to, um, but I've started to do more covers, which has actually been kind of interesting because I've realized how much that's helped my own writing and my guitar playing and, and just you're always learning something new. It's deeper when you're learning the song. Versus it's helped your own writing in terms of melodies or even lyrics too? Um, lyrics and an understanding of song form and a... You know, it's one thing to hear a song on the radio and sing along or hear someone else play it, but it's different when you you learn it yourself and, and you really look at that song for him and, and just how much they're repeating certain sections or ah, how similar. Wow, yeah. Wow. yeah, or decide to put your own spin on it and yep. say, creatively, this is what I would have done with this song or this is what I am going to do when yeah, I perform it Yeah, it's a deeper, it th- deeper thing. So that's what's kind of nice, too, about wineries is, is they keep you fresh musically um, and also they're a great way of low pressure way of continuing to play and not having the kind of pressure of a a full show where you're required to not required but you know there's so much work that goes into promotion and everything something else that natalie has been up to since we last talked to her you played a midwest tour in october and you played the uk in august wow yeah i love i love getting back over to london and england it's so so much fun and the audiences there are wonderful and I did a lot of writing with other artists out there too which was nice always co-writing <laughs> we were talking before about different things that I've put under the umbrella of psychology you often start your shows with your song called The Answer I do well why is that how did you notice that well that's what the high paid researchers at NHTE get paid the big bucks for um it's a few for a few reasons, but psycho- psychologically, it for me is such a grounding song. And often the minutes before a show are a little bit hectic because I'm doing it all myself, and I'm maybe setting up a camera to do live streaming or s- to capture a video. And maybe if there's been another band on stage, and I'm ho- holding my guitar and my ukulele and my DI box and my tuner, like it's so much work. Um, so that song kind of centers me, and it's. The song is also like a really important song, I think, for people to hear. And it sets this tone. I feel like it draws people in and it makes them listen to the lyrics a little bit because it's got that driving but Interesting. chill guitar part. Yeah. Interesting. So it's sort of for me, it's sort of for the audience. Um, yeah. I, I'm curious how you noticed that. <laughs> I remember doing on-location interviews in October at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival and holding his guitar while I was interviewing him was Michael Peterson because he plays a Boulder Creek guitar as do I and he wanted to bring his Boulder Creek I think he has three Boulder Creek guitars he wanted to have it with him for whatever reason if you are looking for a guitar I highly suggest you check out Boulder Creek Guitars B-O-U-L-D-E-R visit bouldercreekguitars.com there's been a lot of their artists on this show Mick Mahan the bass player for Pat Benatar there's been a lot of people and we even had Jeff Stramitz himself who is a regular gigging musician but he's also the president and CEO of Boulder Creek Guitars go back and listen to his episode because he does a good job of explaining to you what makes Boulder Creek Guitars so different in terms of their sound and when you look at it you think it's a unique looking guitar which it is but it's more about 
how they build it and why they build it the way they do. So check that out. Um, you wrote a song with, again, Charlie Midnight and someone by the name of Dale Efren that was nominated for an award, the Hollywood Music and Media. I did, yeah. It's called um, One If By Land, Two If By Sea. We kind of stole the Paul, Paul Revere <laughs> <laughs> uh, line. I, you know what it was? I had a line with that, and I just love how it sang. I just sang really nice. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a interesting song cause it's kind of from the standpoint of a, of a mistress and it's not something that I like have any experience with or, or, you know, I didn't write it for my own life or anything, but I was just like inspired by, it, it's almost like you get to play a character. Like you get to yeah, play it. Yeah. I do write like that sometimes. What often happens is those songs don't work their way into my real set. They don't become permanent fixtures in my set so I, I don't think I've ever played it live but yeah no that was awesome that it it was nominated I don't know why I feel that this is some sort of segue but you were very recently shooting a video for American Music Abroad and I hear that you got a little wet and muddy oh I did yeah <laughs> oh my gosh well so we just had some rain here in California and I have to drive over a creek to get to town and I drove towards the creek and then realized that the creek was a raging river um mm. my band and that i had set up for this this program it's an ambassadorship to um get to go to africa or asia different countries throughout those continents you know and and uh share music and and be a ambassador for american music and and cultural um inclusion diversity like just working with other communities um and i really was excited about it and, and had some friends who had done it and I really wanted to apply. And it was a struggle to find, um, musicians that, um, I thought would be good fit, like a good fit for the program that I would want to be around for 20 days that, um, didn't just have newborn babies or weren't about <laughs> to, like it was a struggle. And it, by the time it came down to it, um, I had just a few days to apply before the application was due, due uh, pretty much a few days ago, this last weekend, and so I lined up a place to film and um, got got stuck on one side of the river and decided, uh, no way am I letting this get in my way. <laughs> and I hiked out with my guitar about oh my two gosh. miles till my drummer could pick me up. Wow! And wow. yeah, and it was it was interesting. It read. I don't. I think we talked about the rollerblading tour when I was on here last time. We probably did, but I I rollerbladed from Miami to New York City out of college, and I had some memories of that while I was <laughs> hiking out in the mud and some moments where I was like, please don't get mud on your dress. <laughs> like, and people stopped me and were like, are you lost? I was like, Nope, just looking for the road. Um, yeah, it was an adventure. I made it and I somehow filmed three songs and multiple takes wow. on those songs afterwards. It came out really good. Yeah. Terrific. Hopefully Terrific. we get it. I tagged the company on social media, <laughs> not the company, the government. It's the government that runs it. I tagged the, the company, the government. And I was like, they should know that I really want to do this. And I, I also know. thought it was so funny. Like I, you know, want to tour. It's, it's, uh, it'd be a bucket list dream to get to go to Africa and, and Asia. And part of what the program entails is seeing um their music as well and getting to experience like their own cool instruments and there's another and reason to people. follow her online listeners so you can see if that if that takes her if where, where happens, she's describing uh we're about out of time uh just two final questions um first one on a sad note um back on episode 232 i talked with Gigi rich who is here 
at NAM about something really tough that she is still having to deal with the emotions of all these years later. That was the loss of her sister. You mentioned earlier that your mother unfortunately passed away in September after a long battle with Alzheimer's and getting choked up, just bringing it up with you. Um, is that something that you're going to use in your music or is it I'm yeah. just mourning privately or just talk about you know, going through all that? It's interesting. I, well, I was, I was, a, I've been very open. I'm a pretty open performer and I, I found it hard immediately afterwards for a few months. I mean, we're not that far removed, but but for October into November, I couldn't really sing the songs that I had written about my experience already with Alzheimer's by that point, because there had been years of, of going through her forgetting me and, and all that stuff. And, and writing is really what helps me get through that stuff. And so I wrote a lot about it and it really, it, I saw it help other people. It definitely helped me just kind of process and feel stronger and, and help me keep going. Um, I think there's more to say now. What's interesting is now she's at peace. And I, like the, the songs used to choke me up that I wrote about watching her go through it. And they still, I think they're incredible songs to help other people. And my, one of my goals this year, I hope, is to get them to the Alzheimer's Association to give away to their mm. um, members nice. and to people that they could help. Very nice. But I think there's a new chapter of of saying goodbye songs. And I started kind of writing a few but didn't finish any. And it, I'm not pushing it. I think that obviously it's one of the hardest things you go through to lose a parent or to lose anyone. But I didn't want to force anything. And I think it's everyone's relationship so different. What my, what was surprising about mine is my mom and I didn't have a great relationship growing up. And then it sort of surprised me just how much I missed her and the levels of the the resurgence of grief over time. Um, has been interesting. <laughs> but in any case, these, as you mentioned, for your album, the songs have already been recorded anyway. So if yeah, you write anything new based on, on that, it's just going to be something down the road. Yeah, it will be the next project, but okay, okay. it's going to be in the music for sure. Well, in the meantime, we're going to close with a song of yours called The Lion. So before we let you go, tell the listeners about this song. This one was fun. I woke up almost in a dream writing it uh, about... This one, I was not. This was my own mistake from Canada that I made. No, I uh, I think that I think that this one also has a little bit of a character vibe to it. Um, and it, what's funny is I got to sing it for the person I wrote it about, and he figured it out that it was about Uh-oh. him. And I was like, "You see, this is why I wrote it about you. Your <laughs> ego is just too much." Um, but there's a great. I turned this one. Ironically, I turned this one around and made this more about just all the unjust stuff going on right now and how I want all of us to wake up and there's this really great music video um on YouTube for it that I put out about a year ago now um and it's a uh it just touches on so many different social ingest things going on in the world awesome. so awesome. yeah I didn't give that. them all the thunder go look for that <laughs> listeners Natalie so good to see you again thank, thank you for you. thank you for coming by and uh, all the best in 2019 thanks you too absolutely listeners that'll do it for this week's episode of now hear this entertainment my sincere thanks to singer songwriter guitar player Natalie Gelman visit her official website at nataliegelman.com and as I said before we will have a link to it from the show page for this episode on nhte.net be sure that you connect with her on social media facebook twitter youtube and instagram 
And of course, do go back and listen to our first interview that we did together, which is on episode 164 of Now Hear This Entertainment. Make sure that you keep up with Natalie online for details about her new music, as well as where and when you can go see her perform live. And again, for this show, we are on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. I really appreciate everyone who likes, who follows, all that stuff. Really do keep an eye on that and love interacting with anyone who engages with the show through those means. So just start at nhte.net, and there are icons there that you can click on to go to any one of our social media platforms. Thanks ever so much for listening. We'll close you out with another song from Natalie Gelman. This is the one that she just talked about. It's called The Lion. is on the prowl hunting down her love she is gonna make you howl you shouldn't give kisses where you can't give love baby you woke up the lion now she's gonna hunt you down you woke up the lion cause you have a thing for cats but one more is too many you see one is where it's at you shouldn't give kisses where you can't give love Baby, you woke up the lion Now you best be running fast Her claws can tear the bed sheets up just inches from your skin So careful not to go too far Cause murder is a sin Her lips can leave their mark upon your body and your soul And you'll get Kisses where you want